0: Hello and welcome to the Quietly Visible podcast. I'm Carol Stewart, your host, and I'm an executive career leadership coach known as a coach for high-achieving introverted women. And welcome to the podcast that is for introverted women who are leaders who want to thrive in their lives and in their leadership careers as well. And today I have with me on the podcast, Shane Woods, Um, And Shane is going to be talking about making a career change midlife and also about the importance of having mentors and sponsors. Um, And she's currently a director of the Girl Scouts of Northeast Texas STEM Center of Excellence, where she's been for two years. And she throughout her time there, she's also co-ed students from school districts across North Texas, that come to the camp to develop their STEM identity, recognition and competence. And she plays an integral part in ensuring that all children, especially those who are Girl Scouts, are changing the workforce pipeline in STEM to meet the need for female voices, engagement and leadership in the fastest growing sector of the U.S. economy. Um, And, you know, hopefully we will get to touch on her background as a, a leader in STEM because I think it's so important about the work that she's doing in terms of the pipeline, getting more women, getting more girls into the pipeline. So hopefully we'll get to touch on that as well. So hello, Shane, and welcome. Thank you
1: so much uh, for this opportunity. And I look forward to, to sharing with our listeners, just my, not only my story, but hopefully they, they can share it with others who, who need to hear something similar.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So you made a career change at um, Midlife. But before we go into that, just tell us a bit about yourself um, and what you changed career from and to.
1: Certainly. I am um, a proud Texan. Um, So it's one of those things that I come from a line of of educators and and librarians as well as administrative assistants and machinists. So it's one of those things that as I was going through school, um, I just knew that once I graduated from high school, I was going into college and and into a career. Um, Not quite sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I loved science. Um, So when I attended the Xavier University of Louisiana I pursued um, a biology degree and received honors in that along with English and history. And it's one of those things that I realized that I really enjoyed science and I enjoyed sharing that passion. And while I was in college, I had a chance to shadow um, teachers in middle and early education over the, during the week after school programs to help students in literacy as well as math tutoring. And that's when I realized that I really do like um, speaking to kids and and helping them see that they can do it and that they have the tools that they need to succeed, which is really their hands and their mind. um, And and they're able to accomplish what what they set forth. And so I had a chance to attend middle, um, excuse me, medical school and while I was in medical school, I realized that really wasn't what I wanted in terms of I wanted to be an, a teaching doctor. And I realized I was going the extremely expensive way of being an educator. Um, so I learned of an opportunity to actually teach science in Fort Worth, Texas. And so I did, I, I walked away from a medical career and turned towards education. And my first educating jo- education job was um, teaching seventh grade science in, in Fort Worth, Texas on the North side um, and immediately fell in love with it in terms of, I, I, I loved that age range of hormones and drama and still trying to figure their out and trying to figure out what, what they can be and what's possible, as well as making sure that they were really science literate. Um, it's one of those things that a lot of people kind of move through the day and don't pause to think of how much science has really impacted what they're doing, whether it's from starting your day with mixing chemicals, which is also known as getting your hair done or washing it or applying heat to it, which is another um, reaction to get your hair to do what you want it to do, utilizing toothpaste, eating, nutrition, um, body health, getting yourself in the right um, mind frame. So f- mental health, you know, so all of that is science and just getting my kids to understand that they need to be able to to observe, to make recognition of what's happening to, to process what's going on and all of that is just being a science minded person. And so I also was able to become a leader quite early um, as one of my administrators thought that although I had only been uh, teaching for one year she thought that I should be the department head. And I have to say that that really is one, that, that's, that was a, a turning point for me in, in leadership. Um, someone seeing that I had the potential um, and as I mentioned when i when I reached out to you, I really feel that people need sponsors and mentors in order to help them see what they may not think they're ready for. Um, she thought I was ready to become a, a you know a lead for a department that had people who were you know older than myself at that time. I was 26 and I had a department of about eight and it was myself and another young lady who were in our 20s and everyone else was in their mid30s all the way up to uh, their late 60s. And so to take on that role and to figure out how to really manage a group that's multi-generational was a skill set that I didn't have it, have yet, but my administrators supported me in that and helped direct me to, you know, reading and, and talking and learning. Uh, what does it mean to manage people of different learning styles? We talk about children having different learning styles, but guess what? Those children become adults. Um, and it also is impacted by generation and cultural, you know, dynamics. So it's one of those things that I learned from that, that, you know, I did like leadership. And so from there, I was able to move into roles such as dean of instruction, um, middle school curriculum science specialist. Um, For over seven years, I was the K-12 science director for Fort Worth ISD, which meant that I got the chance to oversee the um, curriculum assessment and instruction, as well as professional development for over 85,000 students. Um, so what an impact, what a way to, to make a difference when it comes to making sure that our next generation of kids are becoming science literate. Um, it, it wasn't all um, daisies and, and roses, um, you know, you still have to battle with teachers who are unfamiliar with science, especially in our elementary schools. They don't necessarily go and get um, an early education degree in science they they are learning more and focusing more on reading and math Um, so to build up their confidence as well as building up the administrator to allow science time to actually happen um, as well as our middle and high school teachers you know dealing with you know overcrowding underfunding but it's one of those things that they they appreciated the fact that i had come from being one of them i was a science teacher that had become and rose the ranks to become um, a director and a district level director um, to help guide their work. Um, and then I, I, I experienced a transition from going from science director to being an assistant principal at a middle school, which was a change that I wasn't ready for, um, but it happened and it became a gift because the skills that I got as an assistant principal. Um, were those that I wouldn't have gained as a a district level administrator, being able to teach, speak to parents, speak to uh, community partners, being able to engage with um, my students uh, who come with all that they have. And that's all they can give. um, And what does that mean to really treat the whole student? You know, if if a student is acting out, um, really getting to the root of what it is, it could have been as simple as, you know, they haven't eaten or they're coming from a home with no power they're in charge of their siblings homework so they can't do their homework and their first period teacher is bothering them about why they don't have their homework it's really digging into what what a kid needs in order to be successful and are we meeting those needs um and so then i had a chance to move into uh, my current position as a senior director for girl scouts um, at the stem center of excellence and i got the i was I was received this information about this position from a colleague who had seen my prior work as the K-12 science director. And she said, Shane, I think I have the job for you. Um, I think your skills are, are needed here. And she is the one who connected me to with the Girl Scouts. And, and it's one of those things that it truly became a dream job. And on my last interview with Girl Scouts, I was told that I was a unicorn in terms of I had everything that they needed and they couldn't believe that it's like they had written the exact job description for myself. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I, when I got it and read it, I, I, saw, I thought the same, I said, this is for me, this is what I can do. And I, I don't know how often we all get a chance to read a job description, that is us, um, but it's a good stretch as well, in terms of I can still grow in this space and then to actually get it. So that is my, my quick resume run through, if you will, um, in terms of how I got to where I am currently.
0: Yeah, very very interesting. And there's there's a couple of things that stand out, which um, you talked about when you was in your twenties, and you were um, the you you were sort of recommended. It was recommended that you go for that. So, but would would you have thought about doing it so soon? Do you think? I don't think so. I don't think
1: so. To be honest, I come from um, the idea of of learn as much as you can and then jump. Um, I don't know if that's just something, you know, that I I learned from my father who has has always said, you know, don't leave one job until you know um, that you have another. However, make sure you're doing your best at that current job. And so I don't know if I felt that I was at my best yet after being just a one-year teacher. I felt that there was more that I wanted to um, learn and get under my belt and and become more of an expert at. Um, But when I got that opportunity to become a department chair and then a lead content teacher, I realized that it's okay to learn on the job. Um, And it's okay to say, I don't quite know the answer. Let me get back to you. Um, Being honest with people in terms of where you're at as as a leader and and being a servant leader in terms of what do you need? Let me see if I can get those resources or connect us to someone who can provide um, for us if it's not myself. Um, that's what I learned. I learned that it's it's not necessarily always about being the perfect person for something, it's being the person who was needed at that time.
0: Yeah. And then and then it happened again, sort of with the well, where somebody had said that this was you as and having that um, so again, that, that's I guess that's another sponsor that you had who has sort of championed you for the well. Um and so in terms of the part that sponsors play. Why do you think it's so important to have sponsors in your career?
1: For myself, I'll speak from my point. Um, Each of my sponsors that have helped me to move from literally each of my um, roles has been a woman. Um, And it's been a woman who, a couple of them I had met kind of in passing, um, but they interacted with me in a way that Apparently, I made a, I made an impression, um, as well as those that worked with me day by day saw saw my my dedication, my integrity, and and um, the efficiency and effectiveness of my product. And so each time I was given a chance to try for a new role, a woman reached out to me and she said, "This is this is a role that I think you should interview for." They gave me why I, I should interview for it, uh, what to expect in the interview, as well as How to best sell myself in a way? Um, It's one of those things that I I know that not all women are able to see what their skills are and communicate it in a way that that transfers to this new position or to um, brag on oneself. um, You know, to what is the line between being um, honestly um, humble and, and and true to what you're doing versus just being um, you know as a woman walking that fine line of of over bragging or being overbearing Um, and I appreciated that that each of those women took me and and took the time to say this is what you need to do this is how you can prepare this is what you can say and definitely speak to this Um, and so that is something that I have taken and, and tried to share as well when I see job opportunities um, to do that as well for women and men. Um, but I find it that for myself, it's just been amazing to have women who did not look down upon someone who was not in their role. They looked to me to get me up to the next role and to become even peers and colleagues with a few of them. So I think it's just key to be able to have someone to, to give you the skills and not just say, hey, I think this is for you and then leave. But, to you know, to give that time, uh, we all know how, how short our days are, um, if you look at all, all the agendas, but to have someone take that time is, is valuable. And then something that you hopefully then pass on to the next person.
0: Yeah, and I and I agree. That is so, so key, having the mentor, someone who will mentor you and also the sponsor who will champion you as well and let you know about opportunities and, and encourage you along that journey. I, I do think that we all need that as well um and so in terms of um making that change so you were in a job for how long were you in in your role for before you made your um career transition in your 40s
1: i was in public education for 16 and a half years so from the teacher all the way to a building administrator and district administrator so 16 years with the same company, if you will. Um, And then going to Girl Scouts, which is a nonprofit, um, was was a change for me. Um, It's one of those things that there's some security that comes from being in public education in terms of, you know, uh, um, benefits towards, you know, retirement as well as tenure um, and just being comfortable in a space. And I think that changing in in my 40s um, really made me kind of think in terms of um, this is something, this something? Is this smart? Um, I am a single mother of a college student. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was having something that was stable, so that way, you know, as I transition, that my daughter is fine, that she doesn't feel um, any major shifts in her life. Because, you know, as, as we all know, going into to upper education and college, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a change anyway. And to add on COVID and quarantine and all of that, um, I just wanted to make sure that I was making the right decision for myself and my daughter as well as what does that mean financially? Um, so it's one of those things that I, I had a chance to speak with a good friend of mine um, that had made a similar transition and spoke to her about you know, what does it mean to start investing in my own future? What does it mean to um, champion for myself when it comes to salary negotiations? When it comes to public education, there's not really room to negotiate your salary. It's kind of a window. They look at your experience. They look at what you've, how, how long you've worked and then tep- um, what the job pay scale is and kind of just put you in. So it's more, um, it's, it's just not a lot of wiggle room. It's kind of, this is where you're at on this matrix. This is the amount of money that you're going to get. Going into nonprofit, I really did have to champion for how much my my skill set was worth. And that's something that, uh, you know, that overcoming my, my personal doubt and fears and, and some of that imposter syndrome snuck in in terms of, well, I, I, I could operate at this amount, like this would cover my bills, this is what I need. But that that's short selling myself in terms of, but I know that I can help turn around this program or scale up a program in less time based on my experience. I, I won't have to ask for help as much because I've done something very similar. So let's pay, Shane, you should be paid for that. And and that's something that you should be um well-versed in how to communicate what your worth is. And that's something that I'm continuing to learn and work with like professional coaches on in terms of what does that mean? How do I assign value to myself um, and and, in a monetary way? And, you know, to also, you know, it's one of those things that I I have a giving spirit. So I also want to make sure that I am still having my philanthropic Um, moments and and still being able to speak to women and and do things that may not necessarily have a charge to them. But how does that still add value when I do need to speak up and say, hey, I think it's time for a promotion and or this is what I'm doing. And it does have a cost associated. Um, So that's one of my my biggest things was really overcoming that fear of what does it mean to be a marketable 40 year old coming from education that's, you know, only done with one school district. Um, and really speaking to, you know, starting over and starting something brand new. Um, I didn't get that biology degree from Xavier thinking I would be in the Girl Scouts in my 40s, and that's another thing. You just never know where you might be, Um, and it's, it's, I still think it's, you know, coming from education. We we put a lot on 17s, 18, and 19-year-olds to figure out what they want to do. When I'm learning a new career, here in my, in my, at my age. So it's, it's an interesting conundrum in terms of you want kids to be prepared for a future that they don't know. We need to be doing the same for those in the
0: workforce and reskilling and upskilling as well. That's right. Yeah. So, so how did you go about overcoming those years of being in the realm, I mean, I, I can relate to what you say, because before I started my coaching business, I'd worked in one organization for most for, for all of my career although I moved around different departments, different locations, got promoted Mm -hmm. over the years and then stepped away from that. So how did you go about addressing those fears about making that transition?
1: It's one of those things that I have to say that really focusing on myself helped me. Um, I I, I tried to figure out in terms of like, why was I I having these ideas? Why was I doubting myself? is, is that something that was internal or external? Um, and so it's one of those things that i realized, Shane, Shane, get it together and get it together for me was um, meditating in a way in terms of I started walking and that's when I would think through things and, and, and get myself prepared either for the next challenge or get myself prepared for an interview or speaking with the CEO or someone similar in terms of I would. I would walk. Um, so I, I went from walking two miles to up to almost eight miles. Um, and, and it really helped me get my thoughts together as well as, you know, changing not only my, my, my physical appearance, you know, impacting how I thought about myself, how I carried myself. Um, and as well as reaching out to um, an extended friendship tribe. Um, There's a group of 10 women that I work with um, and that we talk to daily on on Instagram and we're all over the U.S. um, and we're in different realms. We're poets, we're nurses, we're doctors, we're pharmacists, we're technical writers but the thing that we have in common not only is going to Xavier University but we we have a common passion of seeing each other succeed to help build one another up, to read one another's resumes, to help each other um, practice for presentation, to celebrate those wins, to remind each other to update LinkedIn, to, to say, this is what you're worth, go do that TEDx, yes, write that poem about brown girls. Um, and it's one of those things that without that tribe, that that I think they also gave me that courage to overcome and to, to say that those are personal doubts that we are not listening to anymore, Shane. So my my personal tribe is, is was very key in that. Um, I have a solid family as well, but it's one of those things that your family always says you're beautiful and perfect. So you can only hear that so often. <laughs> you kind of need to hear other people say it. Yeah. And I've also found a tribe in my profession in terms of I've joined several um, nonprofit uh, boards as well as sat on some teacher leadership boards. Currently, I'm a treasurer for National Science Education Leadership Association. Um, and so... I found a network of, of professionals as well to be able to hone my skills to, to to you know, champion for education and STEM and equity and, you know, really fuel not only what I'm doing personally, but professionally. So not only working on myself, I found those, those personal and professional tribes to, to make sure that I knew that I am the right person and I'm where I'm needed to be.
0: Yeah. And I think having those support networks is crucial, you know, your, 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 your network that will support you, encourage you, hold you accountable, praise you, lift you up. I think that that is so important. And having having those support networks, as, as you said, you've got your your girls, you've got your professional uh, people that you work with, your colleagues that you work with, um, and having those different networks makes a big difference. It really does. And so what, yeah. so when, in terms of how, you know, you're, you're sort of passionate about the, the pipeline, um, the STEM pipeline and the need for more female voices in STEM and um, leadership as well. So tell us a bit about that and, and what you see as are some of the challenges that stop girls from pursuing careers in STEMs. Something that I've noticed um, from
1: being a science teacher and then stepping into this role as the senior director for the STEM Center of Excellence. It's that our, our young women want to make a difference in the world. Um, our, when you ask kids and have career days, girls want to know what are you doing and how does it make a difference. Um, young men sometimes just want to know how much you're going to make. Um, but when it comes to what we're doing with the Girl Scouts, we're really trying to make sure we're building um, women of courage, character, and confidence. And I know I was one of the students that was quiet. I I knew the answer um, when the teacher asked it, but I wasn't necessarily going to raise my hand first. And it's not that I, I just wasn't quite sure if my answer was right. I thought it was right. And then when I would hear someone else get it, you know, say the correct answer, like, you know, I internally was like, good, you had it right. Um, But I just didn't necessarily want to either be embarrassed or just have the wrong answer or have to justify my answer. Um, I would have loved to have had a chance to participate in some of the programs that we have now that help those girls get that answer, get that confidence and raise that hand. And I think it's really important that we start early. Kindergarten is not too early to start talking about, you know, what these different types of careers are. What does it mean to experience engineering, mechanical engineering, space science, um, you know to get outdoors and, and ask what this type of bird is or what, this, what does it mean t- for erosion to occur um, and have kids have a true solid foundation in science um, and be STEM literate and hopefully have an experience that makes them think that this is something that I could do. Um, this is how um, science, technology, engineering, and math is making an impact in my career. And this is what I think I can do. And so what we're doing is really trying to get those girls to develop that STEM identity and to to have those leadership experiences with our community partners that allow them to have mentors to see it and be it and then become it, Um, to work on different types of STEM in order to kind of find an experience or that anchor experience that they can then take back to the classroom. And if someone asks them, have you ever seen a chemical or physical change? They can say yes, then give an example and then feel confident that they've shared something that they've experienced with others as well as feeling that confidence within themselves. And so it's something that it's very apparent that we need more women at the table in all, all industry, but it, it really seems to be um, a, a huge gap when it comes to technology. For instance, in cybersecurity or, or computing or even gaming, our girls just are, aren't thinking that they're capable. And, and so we wanna stop that, that that doubt immediately and say you are. And it doesn't mean you have to love science. It doesn't mean you have to be a wizard at math. It means that you just have to have a passion and be willing to learn the skills to make that change. And hopefully that's in STEM. And so it's one of those things that we try and put mentors or our pair the girls um, at our experiences with someone who has a similar story. So that might be someone who is at a mid-career change, or it might be someone who comes from a familiar background or a familiar culture, So that way the girls see that one person and say, hey, they did it, I can do it. And that's really what's important is making sure that our girls feel that they can be successful in it and that they can then also gain access to that. And so that's something else we want to do is point them into the right direction of the resources. There's so many valuable programs out there that girls can learn and get the skills for coding, for engineering, and for, you know, mathematics, learning, going into accounting, Um, that that they're just not aware of it. And our counselors in our school system are just overwhelmed with what other, you know, other tasks that they have to do. They don't always get a chance to get that quiet kid in the background, an internship at a certain space. So that's what we're trying to do in in Girl Scouts is give them those job shadowing experiences, give them those connections to women in the field. So that way they they know that they can do it. And that there's a community of people who believe in them. We have amazing donors from the pros to, um, Texas Instruments and Erickson that really are investing in the programs that we're doing at the STEM Center and in Girl Scouts. And that really means that they're investing in our girls and in their future. Because of course, if they invest in these young ladies at kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, hopefully they'll go away to college and come back home and become a, a part of their their company. So it really is a long-term investment that these people are putting them in. But it's one of those things that girls have to first overcome the hurdle of that the STEM is only for boys. And then they have to make it through college where they may be the only female that's in that structural engineering program. Mm. And then, of course, that translates to they may be the only person on that internship. They may then be the only person in their department if they do get hired on at a Boeing, a Bell, or a Lockheed. Um, and just giving them the strength and the, the internal fortitude to say, it's okay if I'm the only woman, but let me make sure that I'm not for long. Let me be a part of the hiring process. Let me be a part of diversity, equity, inclusion when it comes to having more that look like me, that sound like me and have similar um, backgrounds as I, as I do um, to, to remind them to go to the historically black colleges to to seek out talent. Um, so it's one of those things that we, we really are hoping that we can empower these young ladies early so that way they can become Power, powerful women in leadership uh in stem and then turn around
0: in and, in and, and return the, the favor for future generations yeah yeah and i I do wonder whether there is still a lot of work that needs to be done with um you know preschool children and, and the way that girls and boys are treated and I'll, and I'll give you an example of what, mm-hmm. what makes me think this so i I saw a someone was promote promoting a book um which were geared towards uh, black children um and one was for a little boy and one was for a little girl and the the one little girl um it was, I think it was called it, it had a, a picture of the girl I think she was dressed in pink and it said something along along the lines of you are beautiful mm-hmm. and it was the boy it, it said something along the lines of you are brilliant um and I thought well, well what sort of and, and then I know it was done with every good intention of affirmation and affirming them. But if boys are being told they're brilliant and girls are being told they're beautiful, Mm -hmm. what sort of messaging does that give them, do you think?
1: And it gives it gives the message that you think it gives them that what's valued is what you look like. Yes. Um, That that's exactly what it's doing. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that we try to stay away from in terms of when we're encouraging the young ladies who are succeeding and or failing forward at the camp. So for instance, we have an underwater robotics program where the girls had to put it together, they had to test it, they had to then try and navigate a different maze. And, you know, that's what we said, you know, it's, you know, that that plan didn't work, what are we going to do to change it, y'all are still having a solid plan, you know, so using reinforcement that had all that that Focused on their effort, that focused on what they were doing as a team, that focused and how to cheer and support one another. Um, and it's one of those things that it doesn't it doesn't mean that you don't ever say, "Girl, I love that bag. Look at that hair. That is an amazing haircut." But that there's a time and place for that as well. But it, it's not that's not the only way you are valued. Um, and you know, it's one of those things that uh, you know we have a movement, a movement away from gender. You know gender specific ro- you know um, roles and in, in terms and so really what are you celebrating when you're complimenting a person and what are you praising and and really reframing how people you know encourage students and it, it is a mind shift because you know especially being in the south that you just call everybody darling and sweetheart and <laughs> you're just pudding pie and all these things it's like well can we can we call them by their name and can we say that you did great you had great effort you know and not shame them if they got it wrong saying well how can we support Shane who who who's not she's not quite there yet how do we get her there can anybody help does anybody want to add on um and then of course reaffirming and saying thank you and we appreciate your effort today but it's one of those things that like you said like why would we only praise you know young men for being brilliant for for doing an amazing job on what he built and then looking at the young lady like oh well that that you know that's that's a cute dress that you designed, or you you know so it's one of those things of how how are we minimalizing and and putting gender roles on kids early? They don't necessarily need to be there,
0: yes, yes, and so um in terms of making those changes that um before we wrap up when it comes to making a change later in life or at midlife in career, what would you say what well, what would your top tip be? to another woman who's coming up behind you and she's fearful of making that transition
1: oh that's hard um, i think my, my my main thing would be to get to the root of why you think you're not ready or why are you fearful um, and then and then address it um, as simple as that sounds in terms of like, so why do you think you're not going to be able to do this? Or what what is holding you back? Well, what do you need in order to, to break through? So what is the key that lets you open that door? Or do you just need a whole different house and not even worry about entering that door? I think it really is about why are you doubting yourself um, to get that and how do you get yourself to remove that? doubt and sometimes that might be working on yourself your mental capacity it might be reading a book it might be talking to someone who's done it before you Um, but don't sit in it is what I guess another thing I would want to say so recognize that doubt address it and do not sit in it do not let it become um, a barrier because you don't want to say that you know in two years you see someone who did take the job and think oh I could have done run circles around them well that Mm -hmm. may be true but you didn't try you know you didn't take on that challenge so it's one of those things that really just recognize what what is holding you back and 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 not don't don't fear it, be ready to learn, speak honestly when you do get the opportunity, and 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 move at your own pace, but be efficient and effective and ask for help along the way. Um, but that's something that I think you know, being a, a self proclaimed introvert, I had to learn also to say help in a way that was that I could receive the help as well. Um, so it's one of those things that really just challenging yourself to try something new to to not doubt yourself and not let that become um, a
0: reason that you don't try and you don't move and don't change. Great. Thank you. Great advice. (laughs) Yes. And, and you're, you're living it and you're walking it because you've made that change yourself. You've been through that transition yourself. Uh, So thank you. So um, before we go, anything else that you'd like to say about what you're doing or you want to share with our listeners before we go? I just want
1: to say it's, it's so nice to have um, a community of women who, who also are, are quiet leaders and to know that we are being heard, our actions are being seen, and our names are being spoken in rooms that we don't even know about, and opportunities are continuing to come. So, con- you know, remain consistent, remain amazing, and people will speak your name into existence and you will get opportunities that you didn't even know you were being groomed for.
0: So I just wish everyone good luck and good health. All right, thank you very much. It's been um, lovely to have you on the podcast, Shane. Thank you for coming on all the way from Texas. Um, <laughs> and until the next time, thank you. So thank you, everybody. And please do share this podcast, uh, subscribe to it and share it with your friends and colleagues as well. Shane has given us some, some great tips And it's been lovely to hear her story. And if you want further support in terms of how to increase your confidence, influence and and impact, then go to my website, aboundingsolutions.com. There's a free assessment that you can complete on there that will give you some guidance as to what you can do. And if you're not a member of my High Achieving Introverted Women Facebook group, then find us on Facebook and do join. And also, if you are a senior leader and you are on LinkedIn, then join my High Achieving Introverted Women uh, group for senior leaders. So until the next time, bye.